the spiritual. Sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do. Uh, The evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. What, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in, within my members. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All right. And Matthew 11. Read 16 and 19 and then jump to 25 and 30. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking. And they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. And then... 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So like I said, it is sort of an interesting pairing, these two texts. Because this, what Paul is describing here, a struggle to do what is good in spite of the desire of the flesh, as he puts it, that is, that, is a, that is a struggle that I think most can relate to. And if you can't relate to it, I think I'd probably be a little suspicious that you aren't doing a lot of introspection. Uh, because it is difficult uh, to do, even if we want to do what's good, to do what is good. Uh, when I was at Kent State, there was uh, this guy named Brother Jed. I think I may have mentioned it before, but he would, you know, he would show up on campus and just tell everybody they were going to hell uh, without 
making any exceptions. Uh, and the reason he didn't make exceptions is because, unlike himself, uh, he did not sin. We sinned, and they did not sin. And one of our students at one point said, well, pointed out this passage. Well, look, Paul here is talking about the struggle. And Brother Jed said, no, no, yeah, yeah. but you're misinterpreting Paul. Like, Paul's not really talking about himself. He's talking about someone pre-conversion. And truthfully, uh, that, that's actually a legitimate interpretation. Scholars are sort of divided as to, is Paul talk, giving us sort of a biographical insight into his present life? Or is Paul talking more, this I is some sort of more generalized experience? You can go either way. And I think the, it makes people nervous to go the, uh, to, to take Brother Jed's uh, take on this because we have an internal Brother Jed that says, you know, you should be better. You are condemned. Uh, and, and, and that is, of course, I mean, I think that's where Brother Jed is a little, a little nuts. Uh, but certainly there are passages which uh, can fuel our own internal Brother Jed. Uh, even passages that initially seem to offer such comfort to those of us with struggle. For example, the woman caught in adultery. Right? They're gonna, they're, there are these guys who are about to stone this woman. Jesus step, comes in and, and says, look, whoever, whoever of you is without sin, go ahead, throw a stone at her. And they eventually, one by one, they all walk away. And Jesus, of course, who could have thrown a stone, uh, doesn't. Instead, he says, uh, where are the people who are condemning you? Well, well, I don't condemn you either. Moment of incredible grace. And then he says, go and sin no more. You know, uh, it would be nice if you sort of like go and, you know, sin less. You know, go, let's be good this afternoon. And after that, just do your best. You know, put, put some limits on it. No, sin no more. Uh, so that, that, that seems, uh, that again, fuels that sort of internal brother Jed. But ultimately... Uh, what Paul is saying here, he's setting up this battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now, Paul uses the word flesh uh, previous to this, and there the flesh simply refers to our body existence, to our, uh, our organic state. It's kind of neutral. But here, he's giving it more of, you know, it's, a, it's about the desires and attitudes of uh, our present state that lead to certain behaviors, certain conduct. And part of that is what he is saying is, is you know, the gospel is about our participation in Christ's resurrection. You know, a life, eternal life, and that we all participate in. Now, in terms of the flesh, our bodies, our participation in that is in the last days, right? Uh, the, the new heavens and new earth. That is when we experience resurrection in our in a physical, physical way. However. Uh, in the meantime, 
that resurrection may, may not transform our bodies, but it transforms our mind, our attitudes, our desires. Uh, so before we adopt the body of resurrection, we adopt the behavior of resurrection. Before we adopt the body of glory, we, adopt, we learn the behaviors of glory. We learn the ways in which life in the new heavens and new earth uh, learn those, they adopt that attitude and those behaviors. So fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. That we anticipate a future in which that is the fullness of reality, even now. And so even as our bodies are remain at, at, with their limited shelf life. I mean, Paul used, described it this way in Corinthians. Though outwardly, though our bodily, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But that is, as there are, as that passage from Romans makes clear, the work of resurrection, the work of the Spirit in us, is it's difficult, right? There are times where, like, wretched, uh, oh wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Uh, so there are times in which that is I feel very burdensome. Uh, we watch the first. This is sort of an extreme example of that, but. Uh, that first season of Barry. Uh, Barry is a, is a military vet who becomes a hitman. But then his target or his mark uh, goes into an acting class and Barry suddenly gets roped into doing this acting exercise and suddenly he's like, this, this is what I've been looking for. I, need, I want to be an actor. And he's, he's done with the violence, done with the killing. He wants this like, problem is, Sure, there's all these complications. He can't just walk away. There are all these loose ends that he can't just walk away from. And it's and and he's, and he's, he's even as he's determined to get out, the only way he knows how to get out is resorting to those to violence. And so he has, there's a sort of refrain in those episodes. All right, starting now, starting now. That was the last time I'm going to resort to that. Um, well, I think a lot of us feel similarly, like. We, with our own struggles, not in terms of being mercenaries, but in terms of spending within our means, for example. Starting now, right? Starting now, I'm going to learn to keep my cool. Starting now, I'm going to start sticking up for myself. Starting now, I'm going to be straightforward and honest. Starting now. Starting, okay, not, I, I meant now, I know I meant now then, but now, I mean now. Now it's happening. Now we're starting. Right? And... And you do get to the point where it's like, oh, am I, is, this, is this how it's always going to be? Oh, wretched person that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? What Paul is ultimately going, going with here is saying the flesh, yeah, the flesh can't do it. The f- your, our own bodies are as capable of fully living into the good as they are fully living into resurrection. They just aren't wired to do it. We need rescue. We need help. And in that sense, that is why there is still a yoke. There is still a burden, but it's light. 
uh, in the life that Christ offers. It's not because there, isn't, there aren't those moments of struggle and tension. But you know you're not in it alone. When you cry out, there's a God who listens. And the, and the Spirit is saying, look, you know, not only you could start again, yes, start again, but also know where this ends. Because that's what I do. That's what the Spirit does. I bring about resurrection. So you may feel like you're losing and you got to start over again. But, so, but you can start again. Just know that this is where it's going to end up. It ends up in resurrection. You know, and that, again, that is a struggle. It's not easy. It's also worth remind, reminding ourselves that giving up on the struggle is also not easy. There's a burden to that as well. There's a wonderful uh, interview with Johnny Cash uh, talking about his own addictions and sort of giving him over to the desires of the flesh. And you know, so he said, you know, in the beginning, um, it was great. Gave me the courage that I needed. You know, drugs and alcohol gave me the courage. They gave me the good times I was looking for. But he said, you know, there came a point where it's as though the drugs and alcohol said to me, you know, it's been a real pleasure serving you, Johnny. Glad you've had a good time. But now you're going to start serving us. And that was a hard yoke to bear. That was a burden that nearly broke him. In fact, it's driven many a weary and heavy laden to accept Jesus' invitation. They know that it's either his yoke or a yoke of doom. It's either this burden or, a, or being crushed. So the promise of the gospel is that you are not left alone to your own resources. You don't do the work of transformation alone power that's operating in us is a power that operated in Jesus. So in there, even in those struggles, we can say, all right, starting now, starting now, knowing that resurrection is the end. You know, this limits of the flesh. Um, I think certainly we were exposed to that a lot during the pandemic. I think that's one of the few things that people on both sides of the political aisle can agree on, that even if, whether or not you agreed that the stay-at-home orders were necessary, we recognize that they took a toll on people, on kids in particular, uh, because we were left to our own resources and, those, and the limitations of that. We were confronted by that. Uh, and that was, that was hard and the other thing, one other thing at least, that we've learned since the pandemic, since coming out of the pandemic, is that a lot of people uh, did not feel the need to come back to church, right? Uh, I think my guess is that this church is probably close, close to about what most churches experience in terms of the percentage of the congregation. And that's, that seems hard to reconcile, right? At a time when people are feeling weary and heavy laden, uh, they don't see the church as being the place where they can find rest for their souls. Now, my suspicion is that a lot of the people that stopped attending, and I, I can't say that about people at this church because I did, uh, it's before my time, but I think a lot of people probably were feeling that church was a burden for a while and that 
when the pandemic came, it gave them an opportunity to sort of exit gracefully. Right? They do so without drawing a lot of attention to it. And yet, I suspect <laughs> that there is still a need. That Again, people are weary and heavy laden. So it's worth thinking about. What does it take for us to be a place where that's not just another burden on their schedule, another, another, they're not burdened by uh, obligations, but it's a place where they hear that invitation. Come unto me, weary, heavy laden, I will give you rest. Um, I think, you know, it's an opportunity for us to rethink some things. Uh, how might we do that more fully? I mean, I, these are just ideas not passed by anybody, but the kinds of things I think they were worth thinking about. For instance, how do we, families are weary and heavy laden. How do we get families to find rest here? One of the things they did at General Synod uh, is that in the midst of all the seating, uh, they had what they called the parade ground. Sort of a clever little, I suppose the parade ground, right? And they had some, and with, so within the space, they had some, some toys and or smaller children that parents could go and still follow the proceedings while having their kids in the space. I think that's to be interesting to think about how, for smaller kids, how can we create space within our sanctuary? And then as I've talked about with some others, is where kids are a little older, how can we, how can we make them feel more integral to worship. I loved Easter having those kids bring that stuff up. Can we make that just a regular habit that allows kids not to just be cute, but to be participants in a meaningful way? Light candles, pour water into the fun, you know, and be okay when they mess up. Who cares, right? Um, what's important is that they know that they are part of this. It, it, I mean, let's face it, you see kids, they give us life, right? See them. Uh, another, you know, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's something to do, be more accommodating to that. Maybe we're going to need to shorten sermons. Because that can be kind of burdensome to have kids sitting through a 20-minute sermon. Sometimes 22. Uh, but anyway, those sorts of things. And then the other thing, well, I'm just throwing things out there. I think uh, one of the ways in which, in this space, I def feel that sense, that invitation, that, that recognition that I am not on my own, that I have you all, that I have, and, and that through all Christ and through this spirit, is when we take these resources, these spiritual resources, that great reminder of knowing that we are not on our own. Maybe we need to do it more. I mean, the early church, they did it every time. Uh, I mean, there's something about gathering around the circle. Now, I know we've had a hard time getting communion volunteers, but I think if we, rec if we recognize that no, you, what you are doing is you are helping people experience that invitation from Jesus. They, you are, you are, this is your gift to the weary and heavy laden. I, I would love to be able to participate in that, people experiencing that. So anyway... Yeah, it is, there are times when the attempt to wrestle with your internal demons and your anxieties and your past and your 
worries about the future, then it's hard. It's hard. It can make you cry out. But crying out is, is okay because there is a God who listens and says, okay, let's start again and let's remember where this is all going to go. Come unto me, all you that are weary and carrying heavy burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.